0: This is Paul Nobles from EatForm.com, and I am sitting here with no one. I'm all alone and uh, we're going to do a podcast that basically talks a little bit about how you become obese and a lot of the things that most people don't understand when they're signing up for any type of dieting plan or something like that. So I want to walk you guys through how your body works, um, what's involved with it, and then kind of go from there. So... I think one of the best ways to view this is that your metabolism is is like a pet. And so I'm going to give you a story. Um, and once again, you know, uh, a couple thoughts. Uh, well, I'll start here. So if you're looking to sign up for Edenform, just go to eatinform.com and you can sign up for the free trial. Great way to to test what we do. We're really the only system that works like this. That allows you to uh, try before you buy, gives you a plan, gives you training programs, all these different types of things. And the reason why we do that is because we think that you guys need personal help. There's a lot of things that you don't know that uh, could really help you a lot. So with that out of the way, I wanted to talk a little bit about – oh, and then the other the other thing that uh, I wanted to say was just if you have any questions, just add them to the – to the thread and then I will get to them once I'm done with the main topic. So your metabolism, the best way to think of it is is like it's a pet, right? So so I have a dog and I live in Minnesota. So my deck has like, I'd say sometimes anywhere between two and three feet of snow on it at any given time. So we will burrow out some of the snow and then if my dog has to go to the bathroom, you know, she just goes to the bathroom. And so last winter, we would give her a treat once she was done. And she would come off of, of off the deck. She'd get a treat and she started to get to like this, this mindset because we had sort of set it up that way. That every time she went outside, it, whether she went to the bathroom or not, that she got a treat. And, and it went through the spring and summer. So she really sort of trained us. <laughs> That's the funny part of this story, is that uh, she would just go outside. She wouldn't necessarily do anything. And then uh, she would get this treat. And that relates to your metabolism in in this way. And and, and so we, we did end up fixing the problem. And very quickly, she started to figure out that, The only way that she would get treats would be if she went to the bathroom. This is not unlike dieting, right? So the way that it works is your body is always looking for balance and that process is called homeostasis. And so you wanna find balance typically at a higher point, right, and so most people when they aren't dieting, they really aren't paying a whole lot of attention to how they're eating, right? And so when they reduce calories or watch what they eat or whatever, they get this false correlation that, you know, whenever they eat right, that things work better. And that may be true, but I would argue that the thing that's actually working the best is the fact that they aren't eating. With balance, that they're actually pushing the high end of things. And so um, keep that in mind as we're sort of discussing this because I think it's important. And I think it's also important as you kind of relate it to the whole dieting experience. So let's throw some numbers out there just so you guys have some general ideas. So let's say that you're a man and you're eating beer and chicken wings and you don't really know what your calories are, but if you did check it, it would be somewhere 4,000 to 4,500. And so now all of a sudden, you start to eat 2,500, you start tracking your food on MyFitnessPal, things of this nature, and you're at a 2,000 calorie deficit. And let's say that you were 225 pounds when you first started. Now your weight comes all the way down to, let's say, 205. And when you look at the math of it, right, you're essentially you should be losing somewhere in the neighborhood of about four pounds. Now your body does adjust to that, right? So so now your balance your body found balance at, at 4, 4,000 or 4500. but let's be real, you weren't eating beer and chicken wings every single day. You know So the real, you know, let's say calorie average is probably 3,200. So now all of a sudden, you, you start to eat well, um, you, you're eating more whole foods, you're, you're tracking things and now you're at 2500 and you lose 20 pounds. That's awesome! The only problem is is that your body is going to find balance at that number. So now let's let's just take that and, and, and follow it down its path and let's say that in that 2500 calories you're diligently tracking and you're doing that for let's say five years. And in those five years, you know, you got down to 205, right? And you're, let's say, 5'9", 5'10", male. But 205 wasn't your end goal. So now you go, well, gosh, you know, when I was eating like I wanted and drinking beer and chicken wings, you know, kind of randomly, um, that it was relatively easy to lose the weight. But now I'm eating 2,500, and I have been for the last five years. And for some reason, my body is not losing weight anymore because it's found balance. So now all of a sudden, you think to yourself, "Well, I have to go even lower than that." And so that's very common, right? And it's it's not, you know, um, I, I would I would say that you know when you start to get to those levels where you're you're a man, you know, you're 5'10 and you were eating 3200, sometimes up to 4500 on a day and now all of a sudden you're considering whether or not you should be eating 1800 now we start to get into kind of the problem area, right? The problem area where thyroid function starts to go bad, you know, for for men they will lose, you know, uh, testosterone Uh, You know, many of the commercials and stuff like this that you see actually end up being a result of people that are sort of dieting non-intuitively, right? And so, uh, and then the other piece, right? So I was at this event this weekend and I was hanging out with a lot of people. And I would say of, you know, the parents that were involved, there was really only a handful of us that were active, most were inactive. And I would say that, that you know, for our audience, probably a lot of people are relatively active, but the general population is not. And so, you know, when you are inactive, you're sort of losing some of the availability. Now, I do want to talk about that piece, right? Because there are going to be a lot of people that are like, well, wait a second, I am active, and I also undereat, and I can't lose weight. And once again, it makes total sense, right? I mean, it's sort of the, the pet on the deck idea, right? Where you're constantly rewarding your body with very little food, right? But you're not really asking for any real change. If you're asking for change, then of course, then you would get the result that you want. And so when you start to lose weight and now all of a sudden and that that of course is, you know, like if we if we're using the the just following along with the the story that that I was just telling of the the man that was 2500 1800 and now all of a sudden he adds 500 calories worth of activity, the body's going to now adjust to that as well. So, not only is he now eating 1800 calories and then burning 500 calories more, but that's the new norm, right? And so, when you get to that really low level, that's when the dysfunctions start to happen. And for men, like I I mentioned, the dysfunctions for women, it might be losing hair. You know, I will say that like women do have the short end of the stick, right? Like, so let's say that you're a 5'2 female and your calorie average might not necessarily or your total daily energy expenditure might not necessarily be high for your height and weight you're going to have to uh, find balance maybe at a lower number to sort of see results there right and so if every time you eat normal right like even in the case of the person that i was just talking about and by the way i don't have any questions yet so you know, if you guys have any questions, make sure to get those in early because what ends up happening is that, you know, once we start doing questions, people start asking more questions. And then, you know, the podcast is over by at that point. So in the case of the 205-pound male, right, what ends up happening in most cases is that he actually ends up at 215. And the reason why he's at 215 is because in that five-year period that we were talking about, he went to Hawaii. He went to his brother in law's wedding. You know, there's all these different things that came back, right? And his body doesn't have balance at that number. In fact, his body would actually prefer to find balance at a higher number, but he's not allowing it because he's keeping the balance at a low number. And now all of a sudden, as we go lower into 1800 and starting to add, uh, you know, add activity, you really start to draw on your body and really, really make things more stressful than they need to be. And I find it always interesting when people talk about cortisol, because two of the things that that cortisol responds to favorably, you know, it's an antagonist to insulin. So when insulin is present, cortisol tends to lower. And then also when calories are higher, cortisol tends to lower. And then You have all these people that are dieting extremely and then they get tested for um, cortisol and then they find out that their cortisol is high. And, you know, the things that we hear tend to blow me away sometimes, you know. But at the end of the day, cortisol is a stress response. And so when you're dieting extremely, that's stress. When you're working out, extremely that stress, and so what you have to do is do the opposite of that, right? And so you know, adrenal fatigue is is something that is relatively, um, you know, it's written a lot about. There's actually you know some debate on whether or not um, adrenal fatigue uh, is a problem. What what ends up actually happening though is people are overusing their adrenals and so the way to kind of deal with that is of course to not overuse your adrenals and make sure that you're eating an appropriate amount for what you do taking these you know long long diet breaks right what's the secret to dieting you know the one thing that science knows very you know as a matter of fact is that the more you diet the worse you get at dieting right and that's really the process that I'm sort of describing to you guys, right? And so what ends up happening is that the person that's 1,800 calories, when he goes back to eating 2,500 calories, guess what's happened? His body has become balanced at 1,800. So it might struggle to, to get to that place of 2,500. And if he says to himself, you know, let's 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 say that he went from 205 to... 198, right? So not a huge amount of weight loss for adding 500 calories worth of activity and then under eating all the time and kind of feeling awful. Um, so now all of a sudden, you know, he feels kind of in a in a bind, right? Because you know the only thing that's going to possibly get him the answer that he needs is going to be that constantly going down and constantly overdoing things and then you know on top of testosterone low you might be running into low sleep there's all these different things that that come up there so now all of a sudden he wants to eat normal again right and every you know every Saturday he starts to eat 2500 calories right and the rest of the week he spends, eating 1,800 calories and now all of a sudden the average is only like 1,900 calories, right? And so, you know, as he's cuddling up to dieting, what he's really cuddling up to is the balance being lower. So now let's talk a little bit about the other side of the equation. So the other side of the equation is finding balance higher, right? And this is the part where when people plateau, they don't often think of this piece. They always think lower because there is this false correlation that every single time they overeat, their weight goes up. And that's actually true, right? Because, you know, if you're undereating acutely and you have cheesecake and beer, you're going to show up and the scale is going to be up, right? But if you had found balance at a much higher number regularly, you wouldn't have near the fluctuations that you would have in this scenario. So this is why you know, a lot of people, it's, it's really, you know, I've used this example in the past, but it's like an abusive relationship, right? Your body's actually, you know, for most men that are five nine five ten, 10, their total daily energy expenditure is usually anywhere from 3,000 to 3,500, right? So now all of a sudden the guy that, that, you know, maybe let things get out of hand over the holidays had some chicken and wings around the Super Bowl, waits up at 225, wants to go to 205. What he's going to do to do that is going to be a little bit more extreme than maybe he needs, right? And what he's almost certainly not going to do is go back to 3,200 to 3,500, right, and push that side of things because he's viewing that as the problem because he doesn't have a basic understanding of homeostasis he doesn't have a basic understanding of how the body wants to work so now let's talk a little bit about some things that that are interesting because you know when we when we talk about how we age it's really interesting right your body is not necessarily going to be prone for you to be at a lower weight, it's going to, you, you should be improving. You should be, your muscle mass should be getting bigger, right, your your um, bones should be getting stronger. So if you were 135 at 18 years old as the male that we were talking about, you know, and, and I guess, you know, I would be a pretty good example at one point, you know, when I was a senior in high school, I left at 135, I ended up at, at 250 and I mean part of what we're talking about here is really what ended up happening and I'll give you the real quick skinny on or not skinny in this instance on how that worked for me. So the way that it worked for me going from 135 per pound person that was really super lean um, is you know I had kind of all throughout my 20s where you know I really didn't have to do a whole lot to stay kind of within balance right I, I i would end up being between 155 and 185 and and for the most part i didn't have to worry that much about food portions and things like that i wasn't working out um i, I was you know a high energy person and you know what's interesting about that is is that It's very difficult to get to obese like you have to work at it. And that's what people don't realize is that, you know, when you're eating above balance, you have to do it consistently. Right. And for anybody that questions that and wonders why, you know, they've been dieting their whole life. Right. In my 20s, my calorie point was much higher. But when I was 155 to 185, I didn't really have to worry about it. What ended up happening from 185 to 250, what, what happened? What made that happen? What made 70 pounds happen? Well, first, the body, of course, wants to grow, right? If the body is trying to preserve you, um, and so bones are getting stronger, you know, uh, even even someone who doesn't weight lift at all, your body is the biggest resistance tool that you have, right? And so um, just walking throughout the day at 250 pounds is going to add muscle to your frame. And so you have to understand that your body, you know, in this discussion, that your body does not inherently want to be less. Your body inherently wants to be more. And so when we look at resistance training like weightlifting, So let's say that you're a female and you're 200. You know, well, we'll use the same male example, right? So in the in the example that I talked about, you know, where he was 225, he goes down to 205. You know, if he had just lifted weights in that instance, he would have held on to a little bit more muscle in that process, and ultimately, um, you know, if let's say as an example, he wanted to lose. 20 pounds of fat if you can hold on to muscle you know this is one thing that you know I think a lot of people know but if you're if you're new to this concept you know if you've never lifted a weight in your life you're going to gain a lot of lean mass just by lifting weight in fact you would gain a lot of lean mass running you can (laughs) gain a lot of if you're not physically active and then you become physically active it really makes a big difference so in in my instance If you go, well, okay, you went from 185 to 250, what was the thing that made that happen? And it was dieting. Because what ended up happening was I kept going lower to find the balance lower. And so I really harmed my metabolism in that process. When we talk about metabolism and how to make a metabolism work and how to make a metabolism thrive, you know, the things that do that are going to be weightlifting and food, right? And so you go, well, what about? What about uh, you know something like running? Running, I think, should be a piece for every single person. You know, I think you know I love a good mix of of some level of endurance, some level of high intensity, and some level of resistance. But in the case of running in particular, we'll see people that are triathletes that are eating, you know, 1,800 calories, right? And so they have this massive burn that's much higher than than 1,800 calories, not to mention the amount of calories that their body would burn if they weren't doing anything, right? And they're just so frustrated and they can't figure out why things work out or why things aren't working out for them, and that's because they really haven't explored the, the top end. So then you go, well, okay, what did you do to go from 250 to what ultimately was 149? I think the lowest that I ever saw on a scale was 149.5, and I was really super, super small at that point. So the way that I work and really the way that science works, I just didn't know this at the time, is that when something isn't working, I often we'll just look towards the opposite as the answer and so you know uh, through that 10 years fitness really wasn't a priority in my life and one of the reasons why fitness wasn't a priority in my life was because um, every time I would diet I didn't feel particularly energetic so I knew that food needed to be in place for me to feel energetic and so I was able to get to a good deficit you know, I've talked about this many times. There was really no secret to me going from 250 pounds to 150 pounds. There was a lot of work involved. My 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 um certainly, you know, there were, in the early parts there was a, a lot of cardio, much more work than than a lot of people will often do, right? But but what didn't happen was that I didn't find balanced love. I was really working calories high. I was eating 5,000 calories a day, but I was burning 7,000 calories a day. And, and sometimes I would have overuse issues. I would get sick. You know, I was lucky to really never get injured in that process. Even you know, in my later stages where I started to lift weights and things like that. But if we wanted to look at the things that are positive as it relates to metabolism and how they measure metabolism in a lab. You're going to have food in the the equation and you're going to have resistance training. And remember that your body is always looking to preserve tissue, right? And so when your body is looking for balance, it's looking for it in, in a sense to preserve tissue. And so I think we've sort of covered everything, right? I don't think there's really any more to the story, you know, um, to get to be an obese person, you have to consistently work to work to eat at over where your balance is, right? And so when your balance is high, like I was in my 20s, then it was very difficult for me to gain a lot of weight at that point, right? But once I started dieting and started to find balance at a lower weight, I mean, I, we would not, I would not be sitting here talking to you guys if I just started lifting weights at 185. That I, I'm pretty sure I would have been able to figure it out from there. But, but the problem was is I, I was scared of weights. I was scared of physical activity. Um, and then, of course, you go the other way, right? So you know, the most ridiculous thing in my journey, and I think a lot of people's journey is that they go from two hundred and fifty pounds to wanting eight pack ads. And I was no different, you know, and, and I have those pictures, and maybe many of you guys have seen those on our sales pages and such like that. But you know, I think it's just a natural type of thing. That once you start to see what your body is capable of, you sort of want to see what it, what it's like at its maximum. What's nice about being Paul Nobles right now is that Paul Nobles right now is really about health and fitness and really just doing things that I enjoy. I mean, one of the things that I heard Warren Buffett talk about that I really like um, is that... Uh, he said, "I don't care how much chicken and kale you eat. I can't remember. I, I'm 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 paraphrasing. He's like, but if you're unhappy, that's gonna be much worse for you than um, any amount of sit-ups that you can do. And I thought that that you know that really resonated with me, and it resonated with my journey because you know I think that for a long while, and I think a lot of you guys listening to me right now." You wanna to get to where you're at. So when I was early on, I mean, I wanted to pull off the Band-Aid as quickly as possible so I can get back to eating, you know, like a normal person. The only problem is, is that eating like a normal par- person, the, the answer is not dieting, right? The dieting is actually the problem in that instance. <laughs> and so, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't have deficits periods and things like that. And we'll probably get into some of some of that, you know, in the questions that people are asking. So I'm going to move to that here real quick. I'm just going to summarize real fast. When you're looking for balance, right? And you're trying to lose some weight or fat or something of this nature. The thing that I always do first, and, I, and, and I've had to learn this over time, but I try to do it with activity first, right? So if you're not, you know, moving, move a little bit more than you are right now. If you're not lifting weights, maybe look at, you know, weightlifting program. If you don't like lifting weights, maybe look at something that's a little bit more body weight intensive. Some of the most jacked people on the planet live in prisons, right? Because they don't have, they got nothing but time and they can just sit there doing, you know, Push ups and pull ups, and and all different types of things, right? So, those are things that, that I would want you guys to consider. But, you know, when you look at what makes a healthy metabolism, it's food and it's moving. When you look at what makes a poor metabolism, it's dieting all the time and constantly trying to be less as your body's trying to be more, right? And your body is trying to be more as a self-preservation thing. You really want to you know, keep that in mind as you're aging, right? And I know, you know, in terms of morbid obesity, we're really having kind of a different discussion, but even in that instance, what I see more often than not with our thousands of clients is that those people actually respond a lot better to having more calories and more Food uh more activity to help them reach their goals, similar to the way that I did. The, the good majority of those folks that struggle, they don't have the doing piece in place, and they want to just reduce calories as low as possible, and then they find balance at a real low number, and then eventually they get hungry, and then it's kind of rinse and repeat mode, right? That's that's why most people end up obese. All right. So um Scott is saying bad eating equals 70 pounds, and I would argue that bad eating actually does not equal 70 pounds. Bad eating combined with dieting equals 70 pounds. Um, certainly I'm not arguing for eating poorly. What I'm arguing for is having some understanding of the period when you aren't dieting, right? And so you know, people will often say, well, do I need to log my food? Logging your food will allow for a better understanding of how much you're actually eating, you know? So like Scott, you know, saying he lost 70, he gained 70 pounds, you know, what if Scott was eating 1800 pounds, like 1800 calories on a daily basis, like Monday through Friday, and then all weekends, he just went apeshit, you know? Well, In those five days, he was compromising his metabolism, and in those two days, he was working with a compromised metabolism, and over the course of, let's say, years, that's how 70 pounds accumulate, and I know because I'm speaking from personal experience. So Kim's asking, I'm in fat loss, just started working out, was told that I need to make sure I'm recovering enough and have my RHR at a certain point. How do I know when that is? So... For those that don't know, um, RHR is resting heart rate, and we use that as a measure of how stressed you are. So, you know, and it's really highly dependent on a lot of factors. Typically, you know, if you see someone, you know, mid 50s to to low 60s, you'll certainly see like endurance people that are in the 40s, you can actually get too low sometimes. But you know, if you're constantly in the mid '70s, mid '80s range, the thing that I could probably say is that maybe you would want to work on your sleep. Maybe you're working out too much. What what happens for a lot of people, and this is actually a big factor in this discussion, is let's say that you've started dieting, and now all of a sudden you're um, both under eating. And both over-exercising and you're really not paying, you know, too much attention to your recovery and you feel like the only answer for you is to work out more and to eat as little as possible, that is going to increase your stress. It's going to increase your resting heart rate. When you see runners, you know, runners for as long as I can remember, would check their pulse and that's how they would check their resting heart rate. And if their pulse was too high, they would just not run that day. I think the problem that, that, that people have, and I've talked about this before, so this isn't new if you're an e performer, but the issue is that your timeline to be normal is the problem, right? Like if, if, if you were to ask me what would be the best way for people to lose stored bodily fat, it would be as slow as possible, right, adding muscle along the way. So I think uh, if you can keep an eye on it, Kim, I think that that's gonna be smart. Um, in terms of how do I know what that is, you, you can do the pulse test, you can actually Google that, that's, that's relatively easy, it's not perfect, but it'll give you a good ballpark answer. Um, certainly things like Fitbit and stuff like that also have that information. So Chelsea say I'm currently in ETP fat loss, have been working out six days a week, almost two years. If I wanted to add an extra rest day, let's see, would that aid my fat loss by reducing cortisol or hurt fat loss because my body is used to burning X number of calories a day? So the easiest way to answer the question is to try it, right? See, this is one of the things that I think that people, for instance, let's say that Chelsea was doing a fat loss phase, and her calories are lower for you know either that 24 period, 24 day period of time, or 64 if she was doing a little bit longer, and um, she got stalled. Remember what I said earlier. If I was stalled or plateaued, my first thought process is always, what can I do in terms of moving? that would help me. So what she's saying is I already move a lot, right? She isn't really saying whether or not she's stalled, but um, if she were stalled and she has tried doing extra things in terms of steps and things like that, that is when, of course, I would try to add in more of a rest day. Usually, like I said earlier with RHR, if your RHR is higher, you know, let's go ahead and try to work on that sleep. Uh, Let's try and work on, um, uh, you know, maybe adding in a rest day. We also build in, as as many of you guys know, um, which I think is one of the reasons why our people are more successful. One of the biggest reasons why people are more successful at eat to perform is because they stick to the plan. You know, the biggest reason that most people fail at dieting is because they quit dieting right they quit doing the plan and so as our plan evolves you're going both up and down mostly you're going to be not dieting and then we can actually you know every dieting plan out there is pretty much guessing because they don't really know what your calories are because for the most part people don't track their calories when they are eating intuitively right so there's a lot of people that are eating paleo or keto or these types of things and then they stall and then they go to an online calculator and the online calculator asks them how many you know what's your weight what's your height and how much would you like to lose the online calculator is not basing it on your metabolic capacity at that point it's basing it off of averages and if your average calories have been relatively low you know, they're just guessing, they're guessing wrong, and it's gonna be frustrating. We don't have to guess at each perform. We know what your calories are, and we can move you based on those calories. So, in terms of Chelsea's question, what she would probably do is yes, experiment whether or not a rest day, you know, helps with RHR and moves things along. But once again, you know, we do have phases in place that do that right? So the adaptation prevention phase does that because like we talked about earlier in terms of cortisol, what are the two things that are favorable? Carbohydrates and calories. And that's what you get more of in those adaptation phases, but also when you're reversing. So Beth is saying, what is the average length of time you have to not diet to allow the body to find balance at a higher weight? Caloric intake, is there a direct correlation between number of years under eating and Time needed to achieve the new high balance. So there isn't a lot of science. Um, Lane Norton is fairly famous for talking about the fact that you have to not diet for as long as you have dieted. right? So if you've been dieting for 12 years, what Lane says, or, or since you were 12 years old and you're 50 years old, you might not want to be dieting anymore. That has not been our experience. And what I will say is that there is. this is more anecdotal, but I do think we actually will be able to present the data. What I can tell you for fact is that almost no one knows what we know related to reverse dieting. What we know related to reverse dieting is that the body responds to quicker, not slower, right? Which is not intuitive because if you think about it, you know, let's go back to my 1800 calorie guy, you know, Does he want to add calories faster or slower? He's going to naturally believe, like if you always believe that food is the problem, that's really what this podcast is about. This podcast is really to talk to you guys that it's not the food that you're tracking daily that makes you obese. It's overeating gradually over time or maybe obscenely over time. Where you're not paying attention, where you're not checking the scale and you're, you're you're. I mean, why don't you check the scale? Why don't most people say, well, I have a bad relationship with the scale. You only have a bad relationship with the scale because you have a bad expectation for the scale. You always want the scale to go lower because you're always under eating and you're never getting the result that you ultimately want to get, right? Because no one wants to tell you the truth, right? the the chiropractor that you're talking about you know that you're talking to he's going to tell you you got a parasite in your gut and this is what you need to do there's not many people that are willing to tell you the truth that you've been been you know following the wrong path for too long many of them actually don't know there's a lot of fit people that talk to unfit people and make assumptions that are incorrect i see people all the time you know let's say a female that's 289 pounds that's been under eating most of her life and the small period of time my grandmother as an example was overweight her whole life you know i don't know what her weight was but but you know i, I would assume based on what i know now that she was mid 200s for most of her life and i guarantee you she was not overeating she did have moments of course where she strayed from undereating. But the majority of her life, she compromised her metabolism, didn't do very much. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, I hate to say this about my grandmother because I love my grandmother, but it was almost like she was waiting to die. And I feel like a lot of people that are under eating and and aren't exercising and really exploring the top end of things not only does it have a chemical reaction in your brain that is negative right like it's why why hangry is a thing but it's more than hangry it really gets to the level of depression right if your body is constantly deprived of what it's needed it's needed it affects the the balance of chemicals in your body completely and that is very clearly detailed in science um so let's see I, I so I, I think the answer to your question is Beth that it's not as long as you think but I'll give you an example that and, and I'll move on to the next questions as they're coming up um, we have someone that I was talking to that was 5'3, right and um, when she started to reverse diet she was 125 and and now she's 138 and when she started to eat and perform, she actually went down in weight. So, um, but then she started lifting weights and then started adding more food to her program. And she's really not focused on lean. She's really focused on weight, right? And so, in that process, you know, she has gained weight, but is really not focused on the, the muscle that she's gained or the changes to her routine that she did. And really not focusing on the not dieting piece. All she can focus on is that I'm not this. And I think for a lot of those people, there is a, you know, it's it's real similar to the abusive relationship thing that I talked about, right? Is Is, you know, yeah, he's a bad guy, you know, in this case, dieting, you know, but he loves me, you know. And I feel like, You know, If you're 5'3 and you came in at 125 as a physically fit person and now all of a sudden you start to add food and in that process you gain a bunch of muscle but now you weigh 138 pounds, the question I want to know from you is did you abandon the dieting thoughts or did you always think that you were going to go back to dieting as the answer, right? You might try that really healthy relationship with the guy that loves you and talks positively about you all the time and feeds you and, and, and does all these great things. But at the end of the day, what does your chemical makeup in your brain want? Does it want positivity or does it want negativity? And if you're thinking to yourself that as you age that you should constantly be lower and lower in weight, you're going to be up against physiology. And that's not going to work out favorably for you. And if you have a lot of your self identity, you know, based in that, then you know, you know, Paul Nobles isn't going to be a real good friend to you because Paul Nobles is going to constantly tell you the truth. And the truth is, is that you're supposed to be more. That your body actually wants that, and that you have to sort of change these numbers in your head. You know, there's a lot of people that think to themselves, well, when I was, you know, 23 years old, before I had three kids, I weighed X, right? And let's say X was 133 pounds. Well, guess what also happens? So let's say in that process of of having three kids, your weight goes up. And let's say in that whole process, you were working out, lifting weights, things of this nature, You can essentially remember the thing that I said earlier that your body is your biggest resistance tool. So you could potentially put on 20 pounds of lean mass by just having children, right? And so now all of a sudden, if your thought process is, I need to be 133 pounds, but you're 153 pounds, but at the same body fat percentage, it's gonna really distort the lengths and measures that you're gonna to go to when you don't really need to lose 20 pounds, right? Because you gained a lot of lean mass in those pregnancies. And so those are some of the things that I don't think people think about. So to Beth's question, I don't think it takes long, but that's what we do as coaches is sort of monitor that But it does require a little bit of the thought process of I'm not viewing dieting as the answer. I'm not snuggling up to the abusive relationship. I'm actually snuggling up with being more, doing more, and becoming the best human being possible. So Stacy's asking, when I first started EGP in in May of 17, I lost seven pounds right away. Stoked, right? Um, Then the scale started to go up and up and up as my carbs went up, um, that's a false correlation. There's no relationship between her carbs going up and her weight going up. What happened in that scenario is that her calories went up as the, um, you know, as her balance was lower, right? And so let's see, so was, I came to EDP eating well, but maybe not eating enough. I'm currently at the same macros as when I started the program and haven't lost a pound well the reason why you haven't lost a pound is because in that process you may have gained muscle and you say well you know i don't know i don't look any different i think we're really kind of having more of a discussion about your relationship with the mirror and what you ultimately wanted from me to perform like as an example when you you know lost the seven pounds initially what ended up happening is your metabolism sped up as it related to all the different things. And so you made a false correlation in your head that as you added food, you added weight. And you may have added weight in that scenario, but it's not necessarily because of the food, right? We can't forget your sister-in-law's wedding. We can't forget the vacation to Hawaii, right? Your body is going to be dealing with all these different things at all times you know i guarantee you that if you were working out six times a day you know you would have lost weight so certainly some level of control was in your hands i think that's one of the things that we really like to empower people with That i think you're kind of still struggling with a little bit that you're seeing food as the enemy and we've view food as the answer and you're viewing it as calories have control over you and i'm telling you that you have control over the calories and so if you don't want to believe that once again we're really not going to have a positive discussion you know at the end of the day it's always going to be a process that's going to have to adjust over time and so you know i hope you're open to that message But virtually everything you said is not true from a scientific standpoint. So Nicole is saying, when does cardio hurt the fat loss cycle? How can you recognize you're putting fat back on because you're doing too much cardio? How much cardio would you recommend per week when you're in fat loss? I think it really depends. I mean, like I said, you know, my calories were really high when cardio was a big emphasis in my life. But I did get kind of that skinny fat look that started to change. Now, one of the things that's interesting about cardio is that the more you do it, like for instance, let's say that you took a six-month cycle and you started doing marathon training. And in that process, you did sort of blow through a little bit of muscle. What we find is that those people are actually very responsive to eating more food and resistance training and those people put on muscle faster and there's a lot of science that backs that up right so when is too much cardio i think the i think the answer is is really personal right is do you enjoy the cardio are are you doing the cardio for a specific effect and i'm not saying that i don't exercise to look better with my clothes off because i absolutely do but i don't do things that are counterintuitive to the things that i like like i said you know there are times i mean right now as an example it's cold outside i can't tell you how much i'm itching to run now you know i was in a bad motorcycle accident i don't have great feet So I can't do like this massive amount of running. Um, And when I did, it caused all kinds of of, of balance issues and and struggle with plantar fasciitis and all these different types of things. But I do enjoy running occasionally. So for me, you know, I'll do some level of cardio, you know, I might. You know, I have kind of a five mile circuit that I do and I can pretty much walk out the door and do that five mile circuit. Now, I'm not trying to do it for pace. I'm not trying to, you know, I will stop occasionally, um, but I can do it. And uh, it's usually not a problem. And, you know, the minute the snow is gone, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to do it again. You know, for me personally, I'd say once a week, you know, in terms of hit, I would say once a week, you know, this right now. Right. That changes. Sometimes the emphasis changes, you know, when I was, you know, training for the Tough Mudder, I, I, I did a little bit more, you know, um, running at that point and, and kind of obstacle work and stuff like that. So it depends on depends on your goal. But if you like running, you know, you probably have to figure out a way to eat enough or to do different types of exercises so that you end up holding on to mu- muscle as a result. So I think it's highly dependent. Um, Kim is saying I used to be morbidly obese and one reason I love EDP so much is I don't feel deprived. And it is a lifestyle I can do. And uh, my computer just went to sleep mode. And so hang with me here for just a second, guys. I need to make sure that the podcast is going and it still is. Yeah, I think what we see more often than not and and certainly we see some people that do respond to low calories that have a good amount of fat to use but more often than not we find a good sweet spot when their activity is in place and they're actually at a little bit higher calorie point um i think one of the things that's interesting about that i kind of went over it a little bit earlier but i don't think that a lot of people realize that when You're a 275 pound female. I'm not suggesting that Kim is, I don't know what she weighs. Um, But when you're a 275 pound female and you start to exercise, your body is going to try and adapt to that weight, right? And so, you know, we have an example of um, someone that had not exercised at all and really had not lost a pound doing each perform but I believe that her weight was somewhere like 242 pounds. And in that process, she put on 55 pounds of muscle, right? Now her weight did not change at all um, or or stayed relatively close to the same, but she put on 55 pounds of muscle. And so there is still, of course, this, this obsession, she would rather not be 244 pounds but think about how her health equation changed, right? I mean, imagine you only have one hundred and twenty pounds of one hundred and twenty-four pounds of, of lean mass and, and bone, and and you know that, and you're carrying around all this fat. Now, all of a sudden, you put muscle on your frame. It's going to dramatically affect your health positively. And I think what's hard for a lot of people, you know, that that you know, want themselves to look better in the mirror or, um, want to work on their health is they want that scale weight to go down. But if you're really under, um, conditioned and you start to lift weights and do all these things, you know, you might actually struggle a little bit, especially well-fed, um, just because your body is going to be conditioned to Hold on to more mass at that time. Most of the people that that you know we're talking to that are really struggling with, you know, um, I'm really struggling having, you know, I I just can't lose seven pounds or something like that. You know, typically the person talking is 139 pounds, right? And so there's like 249 pound. Females that are listening to the 139 pound people, I don't differentiate the two. I think I think all people are welcome to have goals, but in those goals we have to be sort of realistic about what the expectations are, and then realize that you know all success isn't linear. So Natalie's saying what I realize is when I don't track and I am eating whatever I want, I actually undereat. That is actually me as well. Um, you know, especially in my 30s, I really started to get to a point where, you know, I I was more conscious of calories. And so I would undereat. And I think that that was actually a contributor to the to the weight that I gained, especially not being very active or starting to figure out it's like, you know, every time I'm active, I'm hungry. So I don't want to be active because I don't want to be hungry. And it kind of set up this really kind of bad narrative that that, kind of left me confused for a long time and frustrated as I would assume most people have. Will this broadcast be recorded so that I can watch parts later? It is actually being recorded as a podcast. You know, we do have the Eat Form podcast. You can listen to it. You can listen to episodes from many years back. So Chelsea was responding to my question before. She said she's not stalled. Just didn't know if extra rest would aid or hurt fat loss. I doubt it would hurt fat loss Um, there's almost nothing that you can do on one day that would affect things negatively overall right so i think what you know we used to actually call the forums the science lab and the reason why is kind of wanted you guys to be scientists so we would like you to try one day where you rest and see if your body responds positively, and don't necessarily assume because your body responded positively that that's the way it's going to be respond forever. Just mark that down as something that worked, and there might be a false correlation on why that that worked, and you'll have to kind of piece that together. But in when you look at the heavy lifting that Eat to Perform does for you, it really is exploring balance at a higher number that allows for you to know and really allows for kind of modeling on what deficits would look like in the the results that you can expect in that process. So Elaine was saying she's coming out of fat loss for the last three weeks. I was put in um, F1 and F2. And so, what F1 and F2 are, um, that's actually Recomp um, breadcrumbs. So, the way that AgentForm works is that within the app, you get like these breadcrumbs that allow you to kind of follow along. Um, it's sort of going to be hard for me to comment specifically on Elaine's situation, but I'm going to try and dissect it a little bit here. I haven't met the 133.9 goal. Stuck at 134.4. That's actually pretty close. Training for a marathon. Running volume going up. Still lifting. I've been lifting weights for over 30 years, so do I have a lot of muscle when I can finally... I'm not concerned about the weight loss three inches. Just feel like I'm stuck now. need the energy for training. So what Perform coaches will do once you're done with F2 is they're going to move you to M1. So this... Probably sounds like Elaine needs to listen to the the podcast that we did, and I get you know we put a lot of podcasts out there, and there's a lot of infographics and stuff like this, and not everyone can follow that stuff all the time. But the next phase that a coach is going to do, you know, I mean when you when you this is you know weight loss, fat loss, and goals is really more like you know hand grenades and not horseshoes. So 134.4 is pretty close to 133.9. So what's going to happen next time a coach sees you is they're going to actually force the goal and they're going to kind of push um, some some goal hits from you. So that's actually something that actually comes up a lot in e to Perform land. So there's an algorithm within e 2 Perform that we call EMMA. And EMMA basically works only one way right? And that one way is simple. If you're under the weight goal, Emma gives you food. If you're over the weight goal, Emma does not give you food. So what coaches do is we manipulate the weight goal to make the algorithm work based on what you need. So if a coach determines that you're, you know, need to find balance at a higher number, they're going to set the weight goal a little bit higher. So then a lot of people will say, why are you wanting my weight to go up? It has nothing to do with us wanting your weight to go up. It has everything to do with the fact that we want to trigger the algorithm to get you to a good spot. So let me give you an example of what I mean by that. So let's say in a Lane's example, it would depend on her calories and where she's at, right? But if let's say her carbs were 419 and like she's saying she wants more energy for training, we might actually put her weight goal at 134.9. So we don't want Emma to just like go ape shit on her, right? We want Emma to, you know, give her some bumps but not necessarily a lot. But let's say that that Elaine was at 249, right? We might actually set the weight goal at 135.9, and then, you know, a coach is going to check in with Elaine in the next three to five days. We actually have two check-ins every eight days, so we keep a real close eye on what Emma's doing and really following you guys' goal. So it looks like. Stacy is saying she has a um, follow-up to what I was saying earlier. Let's see. So I'm open to what you're saying. This is what you do for a living and I don't. I'm just trying to figure out what to expect in the future with this cycling. I had expected to drop some fat and lean up a bit in this cycle. Um, once again, it, you know, similar to Elaine, it's very difficult for me to talk about your specific circumstance when I don't have your file in front of me. Um, I don't know that you've actually explored a higher level of balance, right? Um, I don't, you know, one thing that we see is that under eaters a lot of the time, you know, Well, actually, you know, this is interesting because it's not only a strong, um, connection to under eaters, but also from the people that, that come from, from fat loss that when, we use a period so like the first period of fat loss is 24 days and so we will bring somebody's calories down similar to it sounds like what stacy came into Eat Perform, and when she lost the seven pounds what ended up happening in that scenario is that she might have had a more stressful scenario she might not have been able to work out near as much her sleep might have been worse right So now all of a sudden you start to improve all those things and cortisol goes down and weight goes down. So what's the body going to do? The body's going to find balance. Now that sleep is back. Now that workouts are up. Now that food is correct. Right. And if you just look at one thing, so like as an example, you know, in the, in the seventies, you know, Fats were viewed as an extreme negative. And that's where, you know, programs like Weight Watchers and The Zone and things have really started to hone in on fats. Now it's sort of reversed and everybody's honing in on, on carbs. And neither are right, right? Um, and in fact, you know, when, when you know people will talk to me about eating form and they know that I do, you know, nutrition planning for people. They'll say, are you carb-friendly or fat-friendly? And I'll say, we're both friendly, right? We believe in um, a good, balanced way of eating that is mostly whole foods that is some level of trial and error. But I think what, what's happening in Stacy's instance is similar to the question that Beth was asking earlier is, is how long until I'm recovered from dieting And I think the real question is not how long until you recover from dieting, it's how long is it going to take you to not want to be in an abusive relationship, right? So if I said to Stacy, I know the answer to your problem and the answer is going to be you at the gym working out four hours a day, eating 5,000 calories a day and building muscle to get as lean as you would like, right? Well, Stacy might then say to me, I don't have four hours a day and there's no way in, on earth that I'm going to be able to eat 5,000 calories. So what my job is, is to find a, a, a compromise on what Stacy can do in her life. You know, I've, I feel like there's a lot of times where we have doctors and lawyers and people like me, you know, um, accountants, right, around tax season that are trying to lose fat when it's a particularly stressful time of their life. And so if, you know, Stacy as an example, was 120 pounds when she was, you know, 19, and now she's trying to be 120 pounds, just know that your body doesn't want that, right? Your body is actually wanting to make you more capable as you go. And so... If you're not factoring that into the equation, you're kind of missing the whole thing. But I, but I, the one thing that I tell my staff all the time that I think is really important for you guys to hear is that while I'm the lone voice out here being an advocate for some level of periodization where dieting is actually not the majority of what you're doing, You're being bombarded by all levels of messages saying the exact opposite, right? And the reason why the easiest thing to sell someone on is when they want that thing really badly. So let me give you an example. Let's say that, you know, this actually came up recently where, you know, on my Facebook feed, where um, someone was really mad. At this person that had a mercedes-benz um and didn't really work all that hard right and there was really no you know backstory to it right all they knew was that this person didn't work very hard and had a mercedes-benz and that they worked very hard right but they don't have a mercedes-benz and they were talking about the fact that it was completely unfair that they weren't able to drive this particular car. That's a lot of what dieting is, right? So you're constantly doing things that are not representative of what is better for the whole, right, so for instance, if the person that wanted the Mercedes Benz went to MIT, right, studied really hard in school, got a perfect ACT score, went to MIT, founded a startup, And then, you know, was able to buy virtually anything that they want. And, you know, that person doesn't know that that person may have worked their butt off their whole life, you know, then that's a false equivalency. There's a lot of people that want to spend other people's money, you know, that don't realize the amount of sacrifice that that person put into that scenario. So if you are dieting and you go, well, what's the connection? Well, here's the connection. When you were in high school, you didn't study. When you were in college, you didn't study. When you were working, you left at three instead of nine, right? And so you have not earned the right to get to the Mercedes-Benz part. In the case of dieting, you started dieting at 12. In the case of dieting, you focused on dieting, and you didn't focus on lifting weights. And then eventually you did focus on lifting weights, but dieting was still the priority. And you put all these things in front of what was actually going to allow you to be a better human being over time, and you never put yourself in the right thing. And then every single day, right, on television and social media, you heard about all these friends that lost 10 and 20 pounds, Right, using this magical system and all you had to do was drink this and it cost $29.95. How many times did you sign up for those and why are you listening to me right now, right? And the reason is, is because people are very susceptible to messages that they wanna hear. People want to believe that you can get to the goals that you want in life with very little work. That's why the lottery is so appealing to people, right? Um and you know as a matter of of rule I don't buy lottery tickets. I can't say that I've never bought a lottery ticket, but I can say that I've spent less than 10 dollars on lottery tickets my whole life just because I don't believe well first of all I just think that they're bad odds, but I don't believe in the concept as a human being. I believe that you should you know want to work for the the things there's 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 inherent self, there's inherent self, uh, inherent esteem things that you get from putting in effort. So Stacy's saying, how can I get a one-on-one with you? I was going to suggest maybe having a single coaching session available. I don't need much hand-holding. It'd be nice to get some more specific guidance from time to time. Um, and, I mean, I do, you know, when coaching becomes available for me, um, we do have, you know, the intensive coaching, it is $500, you know, which I know is expensive for some people, but it's similar to the discussion that, that I was having earlier, right? You, you want to know the secrets that I know, but you don't need the one session. You don't need the one thing. Most people, when you're in an intensive coaching session that, Cost $500 for three months and then $99 a month after that. What those people get is they get someone that keeps them on the straight and narrow. The conversations that we have are not the conversations that you think we would have. They're not conversations where we're constantly talking about the science of fat loss and, and things of this nature. It's really more understanding the bigger picture right and you know what I think that people like when they change their attitude is they like the person that tells them the truth right I mean like when you've tried literally everything on the planet and it hasn't worked and then you talk to someone that tells you the truth, the question becomes, how many lies do I have to undo before we can actually get to the place where you're happy, right? What does even happy look like? And I'm not a counselor, I'm not a magician, you know, I can't wave a wand, So there's a lot of people that think that they have a really super simplistic problem. Maybe the problem you have is that you wanna be at a weight that actually isn't consistent with the things that you do or the history that you have, right? I mean, it kinda goes back to Beth's question and science doesn't really have a real good answer for it other than the fact that science knows that the more you diet, the worse you are at dieting, right? So you have to sort of break that pattern. So if my process is that I have to then talk to you about tra- trying to stay on the straight and narrow when every single thing that is in your stream, right? So you want me to tell you what's interesting about my Facebook? I don't get a lot of messages related to ketogenic dieting i don't get a lot of weight watchers commercials i don't get slim fast i don't get you know all these things that you know my my things are related to the new orleans saints they're related to um i'm just trying to think of what i get um but but it is a lot of eat to perform related stuff where people are accomplishing great things so if if on the one hand you're talking to me but then on the other hand right you're listening to all this other stuff and I have to constantly, you know, have to have discussions with you when secretly, like for instance, I think that a lot of people that are in relationships where, well, I know this for fact, right? That, that you know, more often than not, when someone's cheating on someone, the person knows that they're being cheated on, right? And... More often than not, I know that you guys are getting messages that are counterintuitive to what might be good for you in that situation because, you know, everyone's sort of looking for a plan B rather than honing in on plan A. So I'm going to answer this last question and then I'm going to end the podcast. But uh, you guys did a really awesome job with the question and answer, and I really appreciate everybody. I'm coming with really good stuff. So Dezeal is saying, I really appreciate someone actually finally sharing the mindset it takes to develop a great body in the process of focusing. So I do want to stop right there. I am in the business of people having good bodies, right? I'm in the business of sending people to the Olympics and to the CrossFit Games. But truthfully, I don't care if you have a good body. I want you to have a good relationship with yourself and a good relationship with food. And I want you to be working towards health, right? And I don't really have a whole lot of, you know, chips in the bank on whether or not you have eight pack abs. And so, um, and I think he's probably gets that, but I just wanted to kind of throw that out there that I think that. You know, in the process of becoming a better athlete and eating more food and becoming better as a human being, abs might happen, right? But they're not the primary goal. And so the aesthetic piece, you know, is always, you know, kind of a process in the making. I see so many people who hurt themselves because they're low calories, but when you try to explain the truth, they shut down because they believe. Well, they shut down, there's a re- lot of reasons why they shut down, and part of the reason why they sh- they shut down is because they really don't want to hear what you have to say, right? Think about, you know, like my family. There's almost no one in my family other than my wife and my daughters that do eat reform. perform, and the reason why is because they believe that I'm an extreme athlete and that I work out non-stop and that's the reason why I can eat the food that I do and that is incorrect I actually don't work out near as much in fact most of them work out much more my sister-in-law as an example my brother-in-law they get like 15 20,000 steps a day I don't get anywhere near that you know um, my focus is really On building and holding on to muscle and things of this nature and so it kind of goes against their narrative you know and and it's a little bit of you know when you believe that you want to be less it's sort of hard to hear the guy that's telling you to want to be more right so on a side note it's pretty amazing the analogy there's changing body composition increasing profits during stock and day trading absolutely you know because When you think of the analogies related to stocks and day trading, what is the market doing? So, you know, you might not know this, but I have a background in poker, right? And so, you know, part of, uh, you know, there was a time in my life where, you know, poker was a big portion of my income. And the way to be good at stocks and day trading is really to be the opposite of what the market is doing at any given time, or sometimes follow the trends every now and again, right? And but, but the good majority of the time, you're much better off not following the sheep because sheep get slaughtered, right? That's the whole idea with stocks and day trading. Same thing with poker. If you're playing against someone that's loose, you know, you're going to want to play tight. If you're playing tight, if if you're around a bunch of people that are playing tight, kind of loosening up things will often allow for, you know, that process to happen. You know, if you look at, you know, um, I was actually just reading um, the book by Ray Dalio, Principles on Day Trading or Trading. Um, he's a big tra- uh, hedge fund guy. I'm pretty sure you know who he is. Um, but you know, he was really talking about the principles of his business. And one of the things that they talked about was the winner effect, that once you start winning, that now all of a sudden you start to gamble a little bit more and then you're putting yourself out to be there more at risk. So actually machines – have been developed to be better than individuals in in that regard, which I think is actually going to be a real big part of the solution as it relates to obesity over time. Is is that machines are going to allow people to make better decisions? Um, you can't exactly focus on the actual outcome you want, and you have to allow failure. Oh man, that is so true. You know, I, I think that's probably a little bit what's going on in Stacy's scenario. Is that if you quit before the trial and error part? happens and you never really allow you know failure to be part of the process you're really going to struggle um i did understand that is absolutely an important distinction well man i appreciate you being here i appreciate everybody i really hope this was you know everybody appreciated the way that that i appreciated this discussion because i thought this one came out really well and i thought it was a real a topic that a lot of people needed to talk to hear about All right, guys, appreciate you being here and have a great weekend and I'll talk to you later.